All right, and we are live. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chromacast. I'm your host, <laughs> Chroma Cosmos, and I'm here with my good friend, Giskard, who is a medieval um, armor enthusiast, I believe, right? What would you... It's a good way to put it, yeah. What would you call yourself? What would be the appropriate um, term for what you do? Um, well, I do uh, 14th and 15th century reenactment, and I do a little bit of armoring with my uncle. So armor enthusiast is a pretty good title. Armor enthusiast, heck yeah. And like, where would you, where would you say um, it began? Like, what was the point where you were kind of like, you know what, I kind of like armor and, you know, I want to, I want to go pro. <laughs> When was um that point in your life that you would say? Honestly, it started pretty early, back when I was a little kid and playing like Legend of Zelda and Medieval and stuff like that. And also going over to my grandma's for the holidays and seeing my uncle's workshop of like uh, Roman armor, gladiatorial armor, and then the later 15th century uh, stuff as well. What would you, um, for those who don't know, what, are there any discerning features from, like, centuries? I, I know, based, my knowledge in history is, is not the greatest, but I know on Wikipedia there's, like, there there's, like, this Stone Age, and then there was this Bronze Age, and then there was, like, a, I think, Age of Iron, for lack of better words, but um, refresh me on. Pretty much, yeah. Those are around 14th, um, 15th century. Yeah, I am by no means an expert on any of the stuff. But like by defining features, you mean like the like major advancements in armor and stuff like that throughout the centuries? Yes. Okay. Well, it it started off with like cloth armor and actually even bone armor. There are examples of some bone armor, um, super, super old. And it slowly evolved into like boiled leather, then thicker gambesons, which is just a padded jacket basically, and then chain mail. And then from chain mail, the Romans started to develop the lorica, which was that kind of like super classic um, centurion plate armor. And then near the collapse of the Roman Empire, they actually reverted back the chain mail because it was much cheaper to produce. Um, after that, it slowly worked its way back up through chainmail, back into small plate armor, like in the Crusader era. And then they progressed to just more and more and more plate until the entire body was covered. And chainmail was worn only in weak spots, as in the neck, the armpits, and the groin. Then in around the 16th, 17th century, with the use of muskets and cannons on the battlefield, they found that the armor was just slowing them down and not stopping any of these bullets. So they slowly started to shy away from that. And that was kind of the death of armor. Um, I mean, and then, you know, there's the modern armor plating that our soldiers use, which is a um, Kevlar ceramic kind of a mash. You know, one thing I notice is that, like, as as technology, like, or weapons, like, progress, like, new weapons get out on the battlefield, and whenever new weapons get out on the battlefield, 
that's when it's like okay we we kind of need to protect the user from this new um yeah new thing i i think it's it's funny how no it's not funny but it's interesting how it goes from like sticks and stones to like bows and arrows to like crossbow and like you said um armor i guess kind of evolves or is brought back and modified yeah armor armor was a direct um reaction to the weapons being used and vice versa the second a new armor pattern appeared someone thought well how can we break that how can we get through it and so there's a very very close relationship between weapons and armor throughout the years absolutely how many pieces um or i don't know if pieces um suits do you own of, mm -hmm. of armor me personally i do not have a full suit or harness as it's usually called of armor i'm working on that currently uh, this stuff's very expensive oh, quality okay. armor is going to run you about anywhere between seven and thirteen thousand dollars depending on the type of armor the armorer and how tailored it is to you because you can get super cheap armor that's not going to fit and it's not going to do anything or you can get the like cream of the crop perfectly tailored like high carbon spring steel and titanium plate high gothic fluted stuff and that's gonna burn a hole in your wallet so i guess it depends on the purpose like whether for uh display or 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 like what you did uh recently you were you were in um like a it was a you gotta tell all right you gotta you, <laughs> you gotta tell me <laughs> it's like a tournament but it's also like a getaway um you were showing me images <laughs> no, totally. it... online i'm like this is like mm -hmm. i i don't um what would you call that even it was a reenactment and a deed of arms so it was a bunch of historians and armorers um getting together and archaeologists getting together and recreating a certain time period and sort of an event and uh, it's not it's not LARP, you know, live action role play. It's not fantasy. It's not foam swords and you know stuff like that. It's it's real armor, real weapons, real clothing, and a real setting. Wow. This one specifically was between because we have to give people some leniency with um, their costumes and armor and all that stuff. It was between. The mid 14th century through the mid 15th century during the um, hundred years war specifically and we were supposed to be reenacting something called a free company and a free company was basically a band of mercenaries traveling the countryside and we were getting together for just a little show to show our martial uh, prowess wow so there 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 are fights how how long does a fight last yes. uh typically so typically um with the rule sets that we had and that is there are three passes and you need to get very specific um killing blows or fair blows to gain a point um each pass lasted anywhere between like five seconds to almost a minute 
but very rare it lasted any more than like 20 seconds and i would imagine like fights back then would probably more or less i would imagine last the same because hollywood has this thing of like um embellishing the experience of um you know choreographed fight scenes and like sometimes well yeah they need to capture your attention heck yeah but in real life that's probably like a fraction of a minute in real time yeah the only time that'll happen is if two extremely skilled swordsmen go up against each other and they're not wearing armor and they don't want to get close but even then that's very rare i gotcha gotcha now um are you are you allowed to talk about the weapons that you have yes excellent heck yeah um do they so i whenever your these reenactments happen do they kind of pair you with someone who has the similar weapon um are you expected to go through training um what preparation are you expected to have so when you are signing up for the tournament this one at least specifically there are two portions to the tournament there is the open field casual bouts which is for anyone and everyone Uh, preferably you have at least a little bit of experience and then there is the much more strict armored uh, tournament and that one you need to have armor you need to have training there's you can't just waltz on in there because you know these are like 200 pound dudes going at each other with steel weapons like you're going to get hurt if you're not trained or you're going to hurt them because you're not holding back um for the armor tournament they know all the weapons out there we had long swords spears pole arms daggers um side swords bucklers and shields so we had pretty much everything for that and for the casual bouts is mainly just longsword. I think two of the instructors did a couple of passes with spears, but that was that was kind of it. Mainly longsword. Longsword. Longswords are awesome. Just um, oh, they're fantastic. And like whenever you swords in general are awesome. Um, it's especially real ones when you when you hold a sword and it's kind of like this this is real (laughs) like imagine a world like with no guns or anything like this thing is meant to Mm -hmm. defend your land defend your your honor Mm -hmm. for like better words heck yeah yeah and being able to hold a really well designed and well crafted sword you can tell the difference like if you get like a cheap wall hanger off amazon it's going to be clunky, it's going to be cheap, it's going to bend and stay bent, and it's just it's going to feel unnatural in your hands. But when you pick up like the Albion ring neck that I have, which is a 15th century longsword, it's just it it's snappy, it's light, it responds to everything just so well, it's smooth. Wow. So, in addition to the fights that happen at this event what other highlights Mm -hmm. um happened while you were there hmm well there were a couple of games before the event um 
I never caught the name of any of them. One of them involved two people holding an oar sitting down and you had to maneuver and find a way to kick your opponent in the side of the head. So a couple of people went up at that. Um, that one lasted about half the day. There are some, you know, ring toss games. And then there was a game. I don't know what to call it or how really to describe it. So you had two sides and um, one person on someone else's shoulders, and they were basically just tugging at each other. And then you had three people behind on each side pulling as well. So it was like this weird game of tug of war, except, you know, someone on top of someone else. Um, unfortunately, one of the knights actually broke their ankle doing oh, that, but he still sucks. competed in the tournament. <laughs> yeah, it, he uh, he went the first round, gave it his all, but it was too messed up. He couldn't walk, but to keep his honor intact, he just would keep going in, and uh, every time he went in, he would instruct the other person, like, they just hit me twice, and we'll call it good. Yeah, that, I mean, the there level... was also... Go ahead, go ahead. Mm -hmm. I was going to say the level... I was just going to say there was... Um... Go for it. <laughs> This might <laughs> there was go for it. See, that's that's the bad thing about VR chats is this bad delay. Um, there there were some uh, casual archery going on as well. Oh, and uh, the tavern was amazing too. Tavern was definitely one of the highlights. Um, everyone got these little gold coins that they could spend for a drink, and they had you know ales and beers and stuff like that but they also had whiskey and wine and mead hey, and man that mead was amazing the mead it was actually made by one of the guys who went there and he made it with um i think it was it was um blackberry cherry and cactus of all things oh, wow. nice See, see, the cool thing about, like, events like these is kind of, like, people can chip in one way or another. Like, even if people aren't, like, designing weapons, like, in one way or another, like, people can contribute their craft. Like, whether it be um, realistic um, currency or, or like, um, food. What? So, mm -hmm. I, did I ask this already? How long was the, was the event? Um, so... Things actually going on was the 13th through the 16th. However, I showed up a day early to help set things up. Um, we had to set up tents and the tourney field as well. We had to put up the ring so that um, the posts with the rope out there and then the tent in the background that you saw in the photos I sent, I had to help put those up. And then I actually had to fix the galleries that everyone were on because the stairs are super messed up. They had been used in a, like, I think it was like 10 years or so. So I went up there, secured some of that stuff, and helped out with cleaning out the keep too. Oh, nice! Is there is there air conditioning at the keep, or is it just no, <laughs> no, no? Um, there's pretty much nothing modern in the keep except for a single strip of LEDs in the bar and that's just so that the or the bar the tavern and that's just so that the barkeep doesn't trip and that's it oh wow so it's 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 as authentic the experience is as authentic as it can get in a modern setting oh this sounds pretty so much, much fun so um 
let's pretend that I decide I, I want to go next year. Um, let's pretend that like I want to go next year. I want to maybe not be in a fight, but maybe like just or who knows? Maybe I decide like I want my own yeah. set of armor. What steps of preparation? Um, take me through the steps that I need to get prepared for for this event because I want to I want to leave home fighting that I at least played a few rounds. So teach me um, okay. someone who doesn't know anything prep for this event. So the first thing would be researching the time period that it takes place in. Gotcha. So the 14th and 15th century. That's a pretty... I can't really narrow that down. You really have to explore a decent amount of it. It's not super necessary, but it definitely helps, especially when it comes to the clothing, which is one of the most important things in going to this event. You can't show up in modern gear. It's um, just not allowed. You will, you'll be shown the exit. So you'll want to find the type of clothing from the area that you want to represent in the century you want to represent. And um, you need to order it pretty well in advance because all the stuff's going to be handmade. Um, you may be able to find some pre-made stuff, but for the most part, it's going to have to be um, tailored to you. Especially like the hosen and the arming doublet and stuff like that. You need to send in your measurements and they'll make it custom. I have a 15th century arming doublet, which is sort of like a. Do you know what a, you know what a gambeson is, or? I think a gambeson. Have you seen a gambeson? It's kind of like a cloth um, that you wear under your armor. Yeah, it's like that really thick padded stuff. It's usually shown like almost to the knees. The arming doublet's like a short version of that. Um, so that is used to attach the chainmail. And the armor, too, with arming points. So you're going to need your shoes, obviously. Your hosen, usually boiled wool, although they will let you get away with leggings. It's like the only modern piece of clothing that you can <laughs> wear and get away with. But hey, it, it works. It it, it uh, holds up to the 10-foot rule, so that's good. 10-foot rule. Um, from there... Yeah, so the 10-foot rule in reenactment is if you can't tell it's modern from 10 feet away, you're good to go. Ah, I see. Yeah. Never heard. Please continue. So then you're going to need the linen undershirt, and then you're going to need the arming doublet or just a normal jacket on top of that. Then you're going to need a belt. You're going to need... Probably two belts if you have a longer gambeson. I didn't have one, so I needed one. You're going to need a pouch of some kind. You don't need a dagger, but you may have to you know, cut up meats and stuff like that. Because, again, oh. you can't bring in any uh, camping stoves. You can't. There's no microwave or anything. So we mainly ate like dried salami and stuff like that when in between like the main courses. Oh, wow. And then you know, hats. And leather gloves, too. After that... Hmm, what else would you need? Well, if you want to fight... Yes. Then you need to figure out what... How you want to fight. If you want to do sword and buckler, spear, longsword, poleaxe, 
or um, dagger. And in order to do that, you would uh, just start taking HEMA courses or learn a bit online. The best way to do that is just see if there is a local fencing group in your area. And nine times out of ten, they will also do HEMA. Sorry, that keeps You're popping good. my face. No yeah. worries. Okay, so little by little, um, start purchasing mm -hmm. my armor. I think the best thing to do would probably start doing this a year in advance. Um, oh, well, if we're going to get armor, it's going to take years. Unless oh. you have tons of money to spend at once. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, I'm I'm yeah. broke. So so it takes years. Yeah, no, were... All right, you bring up a good point. So it takes time to um get armor because here I am mm -hmm. thinking like okay maybe I could commission someone and then be ready by next year. But you bring up an interesting point. It takes years to make armor because I would imagine it's tailored to the wearer. I guess yes. the alternative... Go ahead. I was just going to say, there's multiple reasons why it takes years, and one of the main reasons is budget. Because as I was saying, it's going to cost between seven dollars to $13,000 to get that full suit. Oh my goodness. Depending on the style. Like, uh, an earlier 14th century French knight armor with just a breastplate, no backplate, a lot of chain mail and some pretty standard smooth plate that's gonna cost him probably like seven seven point five k but like the armor i'm going for the high gothic german fluted armor with the brass edging and like all this super fancy stuff it's gonna cost as much as a new car it looks nice though um when you sent images oh god it looks so nice <laughs> And and when you have it, finally, it's kind of like you know the craftsmanship and the um, the 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 functionality of it really mm -hmm. brings light the the appreciation behind it. I yeah, think. it's it's functional art, I would say. Yeah, I like that functional art. Heck yeah! So. Realistically, probably the first year, I would probably be a bystander, if anything. Bystander, but... or you could go in with some modern gear. Um, because for the casual fighting, you don't need to be armored up. You can have modern protective gear. So you could get away with that. It would just be cutting it a little close. I see. As you're saying? No, I was going to say... um it, it it would take time. The the first few years, I I probably be a bystander. I'd I'd probably be that guy that's like, oh, it's I got a suit of ar armor in in development. I got the gloves. I got the the sword. Um, I'm just waiting for mm -hmm. the rest of the pieces to come in. But it I guess it is one of those things that you just accumulate over time. Yeah, that's how most people do it. Or, or like you, um, I remember you mentioning that you bought, um, a used piece of armor, um, recently. Tell me more about yes, that. Yes, I did. So it is a, 
um, cuirass. It's not a full set of armor, and a cuirass is the front and back plate. It is um, something called Milanese, which is a style of armor. It is. It's not quite gothic, but it's not super plain either. I believe this specific one is Italian, although maybe alla Todesca, and that is an Italian import into Germany in the German style, but made by um, Italian armorers. So there's little like Italian quirks in the armor, but from a distance, you'll, you'd think it's a German Gothic plate. But when you look close, you're like, huh, that cuirass isn't fastened like the German ones normally would be. Or, oh, the um, elbow cops are of a different shape than what would be normally typical of German. And the one I got specifically is jousting armor. So it's this high carbon spring steel, really, really tanky stuff. Wow. But it fits, and I I could see the appreciation Perfectly now yes. for, like, getting used armor, and and that it that fits you. Oh, my goodness. It just saves so much time from waiting. So It saves a lot of time and a lot of money, too. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Damn. Now, um... You have a long sword. Is there any? Are there any new weapons that you like to use in the horizon? Ooh, I want to learn more poleaxe. Poleaxe. Definitely want to learn more poleaxe. Yes. So, a poleaxe is well, it's an axe on the end of a big ass pole. <laughs> um, typically, though, there will be two sides to it, the axe head and a hammer head, and then there'll be a spike on top. Or, counterintuitively, there'll be a hammer head and a spike. It's still called a pole axe, though. Why specifically? I can't remember. Um, they were designed specifically to destroy armor. They eat up plate. They'll cut the arming points and shear them straight off. They will break welds in a helmet and the kinetic energy from that axe will just transfer straight through the armor into the body oh my goodness so it's it's a knight killer and knights use them all the time because of this you you can fight with this at these at these events oh no so Heck no. spears spears and pole axes at least for this <laughs> Bohurt is a completely different manner. I'll get to that later. But <laughs> for these events, we will use fake ones. Okay. We'll use uh, like polyurethane rubber ones. But they still oh, no. will <laughs> knock someone out. You'll you'll see someone get hit in the side of the head, and they'll stumble a good six, seven feet and just pause. <laughs> like, what just happened? Oh my goodness. And those are the rubber ones that are super light. Like, imagine this 12-pound just axe slamming into you. Those things are like two pounds. It's I... ridiculous. Like, like the heads, that is. The heads are like two pounds. And it still just delivers enough kinetic energy to completely ring some people. No. <laughs> no. I can imagine, like... Looking through the slits of my already um, 
clunk. No, well, these these helmets, I'm pretty sure. I'm just exaggerating when I say clunky, but like looking through the slits. And, like, oh no, they're they're clunky, dude. <laughs> feeling, <laughs> feeling the stomp as as my opponent opponent broaches and like just marching towards. Oh yeah. Me. Like feeling the ground. And that's actually that's actually something called helmet horror. That that's um an actual thing that happens quite a bit. Because you don't have as much breathing, your vision is severely restricted. For some helmets, like the helmet my uncle wears, a great bassinet, it's directly strapped to his chest piece. So he can't turn his head at all. There's no range of motion. It's just a turret that goes straight. So it opens up at the neck. Plop straight down. I slam it closed. Turn a bolt. Strap it to the back plate. Strap it to the front. Slam the visor down. And it's just... It's a tank. Hey. It's meant for uh, mounted combat. But it is terrifying to be in such a restrictive helmet. You can't see. Can't breathe. Can't hear. And someone's just... <laughs> just beating you with a stick. <laughs> You just hear the reverb and like you feel everything. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's terrifying. I mean, it's exhilarating, but it's terrifying. I'll, I'll bet, like the adrenaline rush that you get, <laughs> like when those mm-hmm. first hits land to. But I'm pretty sure your your brain is already like juicing that adrenaline to where you want to fight back. I'll bet. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah. I could just imagine like the the smells from the leather of your, it's it's an experience, isn't it? Like a whole oh my god, <laughs> to be it is an experience. That. Oh my goodness, gracious! And how do how do you explain when you come back from these events and you go to the office or go to work and you like you have these bruises? Just hey, but it's a cool story to say that you are part of a reenactment. I'll bet. Yeah. No, no. It's it's tons of fun, and uh, coworkers are jealous. They want to fucking join <laughs> at some point, but they don't want to spend the money to get all the gear. Can you rent? But hey, that's what the rent fair is for, you know? You can rent, actually. Oh. You can rent. It's um, for this specific one, for this year, I don't know if they're going to change it for next year, it was $200, and you had to rent it out at a minimum of four months before the event started so that they had time to make it. And it was super basic. It was hosen, shoes, doublet. That's it. Maybe a cop if you're like a coif, if you're lucky. Gotcha. So in addition to the armor, that's $200 um, for entrance fee. Does that include housing? So, the housing, you had a few options. There was what was called the hobo camp, and that and all modern gear was allowed there. So you could bring whatever you needed. So you could totally glamp if you wanted. It'd be kind of frowned upon, but you know, no one's going to give you too much shit. Then there was the historical camping where you need to bring a historical tent. I slept in a wedge tent. Uh, it wasn't too bad. There's a bit of a draft, but, you know, April's not horrible. I, I heard November's a little rough. Oh, my goodness. And then you had the barracks, the, what was it? It was like, it was like the king's chambers and oh. 
I forgot the third one was called. Oh, the dungeon. There's the dungeon. So you could rent the dungeon. You could actually sleep in the dungeon of the keep. Hey, yo. Yeah. It was actually pretty cool. Um, There was a guy who was portraying, well, not at that time, but he usually portrays something called a Lansknecht, which was a mercenary. And he had the dungeon room. The dungeon room. No modern lights, just candles and shit, so. Oh, wow. Oh, that yeah. must have been... Oh, wow. So you stay in the dungeon room for three, f- two to three days. And then... Yeah. What, 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 I'll ask this already. What did you all eat while you were there? So... I didn't get the food package. There are different packages you could get before you went in. Um, I got the drink package, but I didn't get the food package because I think it was like a hundred and twenty something dollars, and I was like, "Nah, fuck that." So I mainly ate um, salami, dried sausage, cheese, and bread. I was lucky enough that my mother was able to um, cook some extra things and bring it in. So we had like muffins and quiche and some hard boiled eggs and um oh god she made this really good. It was like a it was it was a honey butter like spread. There's there's something else in there as well, but that was really tasty. Wow. Um for the event in the mornings they would have like uh, lamb dumplings and uh like porridge with grains and dried cherries in it and stuff like that and lunch was pork and uh, what else it was like a pork sandwich and dinner was soup so nothing super glamorous but it'll keep it going it's it's accurate to the time and it yeah. it kind of puts you in the mood um to to be prepared for the the fights tomorrow. Wow. Not totally. Man. I would like to go probably not to fight but um probably to visit or if there is a Oh, there are tons of there are tons of people just watching. It's not a requirement to fight or anything like that. Ah. Uh, just show up. Tell you what, I I probably want to have fun. I probably want to go as a NPC, like a a, a period accurate <laughs> NPC. Yeah, I think that's, that's there. You go. Probably what I'd do, like just be part, but be <laughs> the non-fighting aspect of the event. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, there wasn't fighting all the time. There were only um two days where any fighting. Well, two days. It was only a few days long, but <laughs> um. There were only a couple afternoons when there was any real fighting, and it was super casual sparring for most of the time. Other than that, people were just enjoying themselves, talking about the kits that they were wearing, their experiences with um, similar tournaments, the different um, fighting techniques that they are currently practicing, and stuff like that, and just chatting about life. It was a very, very relaxed environment 
I'll bet. I'm gonna I'm gonna address the elephant the elephant in the room. You are in a in a Halo avatar. <laughs> I take it you're a fan of Halo. Absolutely. Heck yeah. To you, what was the best um Halo experience that you were like, you know what? This this is Halo. Ooh. I was alive when the first one came out. Give you an idea of how old I am. But it No, so was I. But uh I'd say Okay, my not my favorite Halo experience, but my favorite Halo overall would definitely have to be ODST. Just the atmosphere of it and the different direction that it took. I really enjoyed it. Plus, Firefight was phenomenal. What was Firefight? I I remember playing ODST at a at a cousin's house, and I noticed that the the narrative wasn't around Master Chief, but it was still an, an enjoyable campaign. What was what was Firefight? Yeah, um, Firefight was this mode. Um, man, I wish I could say is, but they removed it in the most recent games for reasons beyond me. Um, Firefight was this mode where there would be different um, enemy types that would go up against you in waves. And you had a certain amount of sets to get through, and each set had a certain amount of rounds. And throughout these rounds, you'd be dropped ammunition, weapons, sometimes AI squad mates. And then there would also be challenge rounds. So one would be like Gruntpocalypse, where only grunts armed with plasma grenades would just swarm you and playing that with my friends just like until four or five in the morning so much fun good times xbox 360 days you never forget Mm -hmm. those good old days i um dude those lobbies those lobbies were built different (laughs) oh yeah oh my oh my goodness yes the the videos that you find online and just the <laughs> the recorded rants are are, 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 are some out of pocket shit said. <laughs> was the was the Uno the the everyone has Uno <laughs> everyone has Uno it comes <laughs> on their Xbox oh I got the well, who's it? I got the pre-release Xbox or some shit. I didn't get it. <laughs> Just early onset. Everyone has lighting. Uno, dumbass. <laughs> That's really where it all began, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, the the Xbox 360 era. It it, it really is because this is like a time before TikTok, and you know there wasn't recordings or for those who people uh, they recorded it kind of just shared the experience by word of mouth <laughs> there was yeah and you'd see just a random maybe if you're lucky a random youtube vid literally like 14 seconds long no context not even a title was it real or was it fake i guess we'll never know but it's real to us mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of think of it um i like the weapons in um halo i like how they introduce you know the energy sword I think they introduced a melee yeah. weapon, a hammer. I, I kind of glossed over... Yeah, the gravity hammer. Yes. Yes. That's that's. The it one. was supposed to be a direct counter to the energy sword. 
I remember when Halo 2 came out and they added swords to the um, to the mix. So it was like not only can you kill your enemy with one hit, but you can add it to your arsenal. Hey, you're, mm-hmm. you're 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 bringing me back good memories of <laughs> dude in the lunge. Do you remember um there used to be a glitch with the energy sword lunge where if you swapped fast enough from one weapon to it, the red reticle range from that weapon would translate into the sword's lunge. So you could have a sniper and aim at someone across the map, and if that reticle was red and you swapped and switched to the sword and swung fast enough, you would fly across that map. It was ridiculous. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) <laughs> Again, like this was this was before YouTube, or it was around the emergence of YouTube. But like those right around, yeah, who figured it out, like spread things word of mouth. I I think that's why I'm feeling no so nostalgic about this because it re, it kind like sharing secrets like that, like kind of kept us in the know. Versus mm-hmm. you know just sending a video. So it built the community. Yes. Heck, I, yes. And the story of Halo is, I think Bungie has this recurring motif of man against nature, or man like a single person against um the an world. existential threat. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I. I'm. I'm. <laughs> This is a confession. I'm kind of a surface level appreciator of Halo, but um that's totally fine, man. That's totally fine. Thank you for that. I like the armor, I like the weapons, I like the experience that I had uh, playing Halo 2. It was good times. Man. And there was no other experience like it. But Florida was really enjoyed it. And I guess they kind of recaptured that experience with Destiny 2, um, getting, like, bringing back that online um, experience to share with others, I think. Yeah, that tight-knit community. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, they've, they've always had a uh, an ability to build games that just really fosters communities like that. I don't know how they do it, but it just... It, they just work magic. They're perfectionists or something. I don't know, but heck yeah. I need to play Destiny. I haven't made you play Destiny. Um, you are you're you're a well-rounded individual. Um, one of the reasons why I like hanging around with you. Um, in addition to your knowledge of medieval. Um, prior to um meeting you i really had no interest in medieval it was kind of like one of those things where it's kind of like you know oh it happened and swords armor that's it but you really brought light in um what happened like i did not know that kings fought along with their um armies and the battles they had were really pivotal in shaping countries um absolutely you're you're a very well versed individual in that aspect and so thank you for that enlightenment. 
like I said, I'm not an expert. I definitely could learn quite a bit more. It's just there are a few specific time periods that I'm really interested in. And battles-wise, you know, I already showed you the Battle of Agincourt. That's got to be one of my favorites. Let me ask you I mean, that this. entire campaign was just wild. Yeah? Do you find yourself, like, having, like, these mini obsessions, for example, like, um, like, French, we'll, we'll, we'll take armor, um, battles, for example. Mm -hmm. Like, you'll have this obsession with this time period in one week, and then you'll have another moment where you'll be, like, micro-obsessing over what happened, what armor did they use, was it durable? Somewhat. It it, it usually like morphs from one interest to the other. Like it started off like I was just super obsessed with um, Agincourt, and then I learned about the the war bows that they use and how they'd be like two hundred and ten pounds, crazy shit like that. And that was average. That would be like an average weight for them. And then I started like really focusing on the archery aspect, and I learned about all these new you know, bodkins that they use to pierce through mail. Then I went and I learned about mail. I learned the difference between butted and riveted mail, flat mail. And then I learned how that um, worked together with, you know, spalders and this type of armor. Then I saw, oh, well, the Italians made spalders like this, which is the shoulder piece, a smaller shoulder piece. But the Germans did it like this. But then the English came along and made them fucking massive and asymmetrical. And the Italians did that, too. And then the Germans started fluting them. And just it just goes on and on and on. And it just meshes into each other. Do you have um? Do you have any um interest in Eastern armor? Do you have any knowledge in that? I'll I'll be honest. The extent I that I know is probably like what mm -hmm. I've seen on images online, like samurai um plates and their swords. Yeah. Well, the samurai armor was really interesting. It started off almost reed-like, I believed. And then they started to supplement it with their iron. But their iron was really poor because they were using, um, I forgot the exact term for it, but they were basically taking dirt and sand, putting it in a kiln, melting the iron out of it, and collecting the beads at the bottom, pouring those all those beads together into a crucible, melting it down into an ingot, and then working with it for a very long time until they were able to get good iron imports, which is why you'll hear on online forums all the time about how shit Japanese steel was. And that was true for a very long time until they were able to get better iron in. Weapons got better. Wow. Mm -hmm. It's one interesting thing about human history is that each cult, well, Many cultures um, share similarities in terms of swords, um, armor, helmets. It's it's almost mm -hmm. like we developed telepathically, you know? Like, that's what I find very interesting. And granted, you know, these were probably, each culture probably had their development at different times in human history. But, like... yeah. Each culture well, the thing about designing that. weapons and armor, 
Yeah, the, the thing about... Oh, don't fall. That's going to make a loud noise. Um, about weapons and armor is that we've had, like, thousands of years to develop it. And in that time, there's only so many, you know, shapes and configurations that are going to be effective and useful. And so it's always going to get narrowed down to these very core concepts and principles. As soon as you said that, you, you remind me of um, the different helmet shapes. I I can't remember. Each one has their name, but each one has their purpose. Mm, not, yeah, not not necessarily the shapes, but each helmet has its own name, really. Uh. Well, there's different helmet types and all. Um, but yeah, no, they all serve a different purpose. Some are similar purposes with just slightly different styles, but um. Again, they developed along with weapons quite a bit. Especially once you start to get into like the 16th, 16th century when armets or armets and clothes helms were designed. And those were very, very close to the head, very tight on the neck. And there were plates that would kind of overlap them. And there was no way to slip a dagger in. Oh and those evolved from, you know, the great helms of, from the Crusaders and the the great bassinets and the salets but around when would you say was when the end of the medieval era because there was a point where it was kind of like you know this sword's not going to cut it we're using guns now was there ever a point like that in human history or you know what another so think about technic it. go ahead Technically, the medieval era ended when the Renaissance began. Oh. And so the Renaissance isn't medieval. It's the Renaissance. And that was... Oh, God. I'm going to look so dumb now. I can't remember the no, exact years. I, um, there's I, a blend of like 10 to 15 years so when... Good. Yeah. But I know, I know someone's going to be like, this guy. <laughs> um. So it was around the 16th, somewhere in the 16th century, I believe, when the Renaissance really began. And then many, the medieval time was kind of over. But, you know, there was still armor around then. Oh, yeah. When, when armor died, like truly died, I'd say probably early to mid 17th century was when armor just was not cutting it. Um, that's, you know, especially, you know, especially by the time that Napoleon came around, the only people that wore armor were like officers and stuff and it didn't do anything. I mean, there's a really famous example of a breastplate from the battle of Waterloo and oh. the man got hit with a cannonball. It just went straight through, and it's currently in a museum right now, and you can very, very clearly see where it it entered the, I believe, the left side and came clean out the back. Oh my goodness. Just peeled that armor away. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Yeah. No, it was, hey, at, at the, you know, at least it was over quick. <laughs> Oh, that's that's so messed up. 
Dude yeah. probably didn't even realize before it happened. <laughs> I, I should. Oh no, man was probably charging and then suddenly asleep. Like oh. there's there's no way he survived any significant amount of time. But it's interesting you say that because now that I think about, I'm no historian, I'm no expert <laughs> by any mm-hmm. means. But you um you bring up a good point because what I see in paintings we we do see this um discontinuation of armor or more specified but we all we see swords still in um in paintings up to the development of the United States of America to heck the Texas Revolution yes i'm i'm, yeah. I'm proud but swords still but being swords used are still yeah, they're still an extremely useful weapon because you're only going to, for like line battles, volley battles and stuff, you're only going to get a couple of shots off before the order to charge in is issued. So you're going to have your muskets with your bayonets, and then if that gets knocked out of your hand, you better have a side sword to protect yourself with. Or when you're boarding ships, you need a close quarters weapon. And swords and daggers and bludgeoning weapons were very much so useful. It wasn't until really like revolvers and bolt actions and lever actions came in that swords completely went out of style. I mean, and even then, like during World War One and even in World War Two, there were still soldiers who had swords. Like the Japanese in World War Two, they still had swords. Most officers in World War One had swords too. Albeit artillery swords, very short, more cutlasses, but still, well, not cutlass, but. You know, it's, <clears throat> it it makes anything look very regal, very elegant. It's, so, <laughs> swords are awesome. They they make things look cool, <laughs> whether, whether yeah. it be for purpose or for ceremonial, swords are cool. It, no, absolutely, and that's the main reason a lot of people get into this stuff too. Because like, dude, <laughs> swords are awesome. It just goes from there. <laughs> I I have a sword or somewhere around. It's it's a replica from an anime. I can't remember which one, but every now and then I'll I'll take it out nice. and be like, <laughs> this is a sword. <laughs> like it's not meant for cutting, but man, does it feel good? Oh yeah, but still, yeah, it's fun. Although. I will say after this conversation you you kind of got me thinking about going pro or um oh no here come yeah. the poor financial decisions <laughs> I just opened up a credit card I should be fine <laughs> Oh no. no that's how it starts start, no st- start looking for a start looking for um a maker who's willing to do a payment oh. plan <laughs> 200 bucks a month sign me up <laughs> I, no I, I i don't i i should not encourage poor financial decisions but but sometimes it can be fun it, it can be fun yes they're more expensive hobbies <laughs> It's definitely up there. Um, you can get cheaper swords, but if you really want to get into it and you really want to do, especially like the reenactment and the tournaments, you're going to want to buy quality gear and quality equipment because otherwise you're going to get a super cheap sword that's 
gonna break and <laughs> you're just gonna have to go out and buy another one so you may as well just make that investment so your experience is there any advice to anyone that you would give to um, any solid advice oh just any advice in general to anyone who is listening to this and thinking you know what i just may do this what would you tell them know what specifically you want to do know what century you want to do um know what kind of weapons you want to use because actually a perfect example of this one of my friends i started to get them into hema historical european martial arts oh. and um they immediately were like oh my god there's all these swords that i can buy i didn't know people are still making these and so they went and they're like i want a kopesh I want a Gian, I want a Zweihander, I want a Gladius. And I was sitting there in the back like, oh no, what have I done? And they went out and they bought a couple of sparring swords that they realized they don't really want to use as much. And there's no one around that can train them on how to use it. So if you're going to get into this and you seriously want to get into this, know what exactly it is that you want to do and what you want to accomplish. If you want to go into tournaments, do you want to go into the more modern tournaments where you use more modern equipment, more modern weapons, or do you want to do the more medieval historical tournaments? Do you want to use the more historically accurate weapons and armor, or do you want to do living history, which is a step up from what I did? Living history is... There's no modern gear at all, even out of sight. The 10-foot rule is the if it, you need to trick a museum curator rule. So that's some super serious stuff. Like th People get angry at you if you have a sleeping mat that's not historically accurate, even if it's <laughs> hidden in your own tent. These guys take this thing very seriously. So... Do a lot of research, um, find quality things, you know, the quality um, weapons, quality clothing, and find a group that you connect with really well. Because that's really important, too. Because if you can't find a good reenactment group to go to these events with, you're, you're not going to have fun. This is true, absolutely. Since we're on... Um, virtual reality have you met um, any groups or are there any are there any uh, medieval groups online have you met in VRC in VRC I've only met a couple of people who do HEMA and that's it there's plenty of people on VRC that do LARP and stuff but HEMA specifically I've only met I think maybe five people it's not a very common thing. It's not super rare, but it's not very common either. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, to those who are listening, be the change you want to see in the world. Do it. Whoever's listening to this, start. <laughs> be the spark. You can do it. There you go. In closing, um, any... Would would you be any and any final thoughts on 
anyone who is pursuing this I I wouldn't say a hobby it's more like a discipline at this point it can be a hobby too the most important thing just have fun there we go enjoy yourself don't take it too seriously don't take yourself too seriously if you mess up on a piece of gear equipment it's just a learning curve and also again I'm going to stress this research especially prices when you're buying armor some poor kid got scammed eight thousand dollars just for the legs that is ridiculous do not spend that much for the armor you've cut cut your losses find someone else that yeah that poor kid oh Oh my god yeah he didn't know any better he had the money and he just thought that that was normal but it is it is not normal Damn. But hey, we know better, we do better, I guess. We'll get yep. scared. Um, Live and learn. Absolutely. Um, we'll get scared. I, I really enjoyed this conversation with you. Uh, thank you for being on. And Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely.